0: If you've got a Bible, um, you could scroll it or turn it to um, Matthew chapter 24. Um, We're going through a series in Matthew, the book of Matthew. Matthew's recording um, particular events in Jesus' life, his death, his resurrection. And uh, we have been working our way through. And we're in Matthew chapter 24. So if you've got it on your phone or in your hand, then you can find that now. But the words will be on the screen. So that's okay. Thank you um, just personally for um, my extended break over August. I do appreciate that. It was a good time to rest and be refreshed. Um, So thank you um, for everyone who kind of chipped in in different ways to help make that happen. And thank you to Raj and Gavin as well, particularly as they uh, helped facilitate that. So this morning we have a passage that um, really is speaking about what it means to live in uncertain times i think that's quite apt isn't it what it means to live in uncertain times you know over the last few years we've had covid haven't we we've had all sorts of other events you know and if you you follow the news uh, we don't really need to just follow the news if you know the events that are happening in our in our nation we've had Uh, new prime ministers, we've had a new king, we we have the cost of living crisis, we have an energy crisis, we have the war in Ukraine and so often there can be kind of two responses to to all those, uh, to the news and when we watch the news, one can be one of fear and depression Uh, another one could be one of kind of just numbness, even like entertainment as we just kind of wait for the latest installment. But listen, if you're a follower of Jesus, we need to know how to live in these days. And this passage helps us with that. So I'm going to read this passage for us this morning. I'm going to read the first few, chapter, the first few verses, and then we're going to get into the rest in a minute. But listen, this to Matthew chapter 24. Jesus left the temple... And was walking away when his disciples came upon him to call his attention to its buildings. Now in Mark, when Mark records this, he says that the disciples are quite amazed by the buildings and the temple. They're like, wow, look at this place. It's amazing. They're in awe of it. And Jesus says this, do you see all these things? He asked. I tell you the truth, not one stone here will be left on another Everyone will be thrown down. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen? And what will be the sign of your coming? And at the end of the age? Let's just pause there briefly. Because Jesus' response to these questions is some of the most discussed and debated verses in the Bible. And I'm sure here this morning there might be a variety of different views, even if your view is, I haven't really thought about it. I don't really know. It's the first time I'm reading it. There are certainly enough views online or in books. So we need God's wisdom as we read these verses this morning. We need his wisdom. So let's read what Jesus' response is uh, to his disciples from verse 4. Jesus answered, Watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, claiming I am the Christ, and will deceive many. You'll hear wars and rumours of wars, but see to it that you're not alarmed. Such things must happen. But the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There'll be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. Then you'll be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you'll be hated by all the nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other, and many false prophets will appear and deceive many. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold, but he who stands firm to the end will be saved." And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. Then the end will come. So when you see standing in the holy place the abomination that causes desolation spoken of through the prophet Daniel, let the reader understand, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let no one on the roof of his house go down and take anything out of the house. Let no one in the field go back to get his cloak. How dreadful it will be for the that those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers pray that on your flight pray that your flight will not take place in winter or on the sabbath for then there will be great distress unequaled from the beginning of the world until now and never to be equaled again if those days had not been cut short no one would survive but for the sake of the elect those days will be shortened At that time, if anyone says to you, look, here's the Christ, or there he is, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and miracles to deceive even the elect, if that were possible. See, I've told you ahead of time. So if anyone tells you, there he is out in the desert, do not go out, or here he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as lightning comes from the east, is visible even in the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man, Wherever there is a carcass, there the vultures will gather. Immediately after the distress of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, the, sun, the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky and all the nations of the earth will mourn. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call. And they will gather his elect from the four winds and from one end of the heavens to another. Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as the twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that its summer is near. Even so, when you see all these things, you know that it is near, right at the door. I tell you the truth, this generation will certainly not pass away until these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Then just down to verse 40, 42. We don't have time to read the whole passage. Therefore keep watch because you do not know what day your Lord will come. So we've got a big long passage this morning. I, I may not be able to address everything in this passage. So I may not be able to address that verse that you're thinking, but what about that? Maybe you can ask me another day and uh, you know we can go from there. But, but the... Um, So this chapter, it's, it's really about the future. But what part of the future and, and how this will all happen is hotly debated. That Jesus will return is not debated. Now that, that is solid Christian teaching that Jesus will come back. That, that God in Jesus came to us 2,000 years ago and that he will come a second time to wrap up all world history. Um, you know, the, the ultimate end of all world history will not be down to climate change, ultimately, will not be down to nuclear war, although, you know, we pray it's good to look after the environment, it's good to avoid nuclear war. They won't be the ultimate reason. Jesus will. And everything wrong will be put right. Heaven and earth will come together and will be with Him forever. It's the detail of this debate that is more discussed. Uh, and much of it misses the point. Uh, the, um, church lead, the English church leader and writer Peter Lewis said that you know, Jesus' return will be a great event. However, it, its greatness isn't it, in all the, the events and activities that surround it. It's an event that is dominated by a person. And he puts it like this. Therefore, we should be less taken up with the detail and form of events than the knowledge that we shall meet the Lord face to face. The meeting is more important than the mechanics. The how must give way to the who of the second coming. See, You can, you can see often people get preoccupied, don't they, with dates and with charts and with mapping current events to um, what are said in different verses. And do you know what it could be? It could be, that they miss the point. More importantly, they miss the person, Jesus. Okay, so let's look at the disciples' questions here this morning and how Jesus answers them. They have three questions. Really, it's two questions. A, when will the temple be destroyed? We think it looks wonderful and marvellous. You're telling us it's going to be destroyed. Secondly, what signs should we look for to know of your coming of your um, appearing and the sign of the end, and, the, and the end of the age. So first, Jesus is talking about the destruction of the temple. That's what they ask. You know, the temple was the religious, the religious centre of their worship. It was integral to everything in life. Uh, it, you know, they, they believed it was the centre of the earth. Uh, and it was, a, it was this huge, humongous structure. In fact, they said it... it They thought it took 80 years to build, and even when it was destroyed, they said it was probably not finished. But yet, within a few decades of Jesus' words in AD 70, the temple had been destroyed. Destroyed by the Romans who just came in, raised it to the ground. You you cannot imagine what an earth-shaking moment this would have been. And I guess in a very a very small way, maybe we've experienced that this week, in a very, very small way, as we've seen uh, the death of the Queen. And, you know, you've looked on the news and people have used words like, you know, it, it's unsettling, it's disorientating, um, it's unimaginable. Now, they use words like it's unimaginable. Now, it, in reality, we know, we know that, Kings and queens pass on, don't we? We have procedures for it and those kind of procedures kick in now, don't we? We, we have that, praise God. Um, but people use those types of words. It's unimaginable. The reality is we, we kind of know what happens going on from here. It was almost unimaginable that the temple would not be there. It didn't compute in their heads. It was going to be an earth-shattering moment. And if you've still got your Bibles open, um, some people would say, some scholars would say, that Jesus is talking even up to, uh, most people would say up to verse 25, he's talking about the destruction of the temple, he's talking about the days up to that, and that event. Some people would say up to verse 35, some people would say even all of verse 20, uh, chapter 24 is about this. So for instance, when he quotes the Old Testament prophet Daniel and he says, So when you see standing in the place, in the holy place, the abomination that causes desolation, that Jesus is referring to the Romans who were going to enter the temple and defile it. That's what they did with their pagan worship. And then when he says, When you see that happening, run. That's what he tells them, verse 17 and verse 18. He says, Don't, don't get stuff from your house, don't go back and get clothes. Just run, flee to the mountains. And historical accounts of the time said that it was those people who just fled, who just ran, who ran to the mountains. They were the ones that survived. Those that tried to stay and protect the temple, they didn't. The Romans were ruthless in how they dealt with those that stayed and defended it. My reading, for what it's worth, is that Jesus is at times talking about the temple, clearly, and at times he's talking about when he will return. Because their question is about both. But here's the point, whatever your reading is of this very important chapter, Jesus is wanting his disciples to know how they're to live in their day. And he wants us to know how we're to live in our day. See, this passage is saying, look, this is how life will look from now on. People will try and deceive you. You know, people will try and draw you away from me. There'll be international conflict. There'll be wars. There'll be natural disasters, floods and famines. There'll be an increase of wickedness. There'll be opposition and there'll be persecution. From now until then, that's our world. You may think, well, maybe all of them, maybe not persecution. Well, you know, we have many people here from nations who have experienced that. Muran, Eritrea, who know a thing about persecution. And I think they've got something to teach us. Who knows, maybe we'll need that for the future. Who knows? But I think they've got something to teach us. From now until then, from then until now, this is our world. It's like birth pains, he describes it, of a world that's desperate for the return of his, It's king. I've experienced um, pregnancy twice, secondhand, of course. But that experience is still very valid, of course. Um, maybe not as traumatic for me. But, you know, you get these, you, I can say this because you're not here this morning. You, you get these, um, you get birth pa- pains, don't you? Birth, you know, birth pains leading up and, you know, is this the moment? You know, our first child is this. This is it. This is it. Oh, no, it's not. It's a few more weeks. No, it's, it's, it's not that moment. It's just birth pain. It's not the big event. And the second one, okay, yeah, we get it now. Okay, so this, is, this is a birth pain. Okay, this is, this is not the event. That's what Jesus is saying. The, the, you'll see these things. But that's not the event. They're birth pains of a world desperate for its king. So how are we to live? In the midst of those birth pains, are we just to wring our hands and go, well, I hope Jesus returns soon? No, no, I think there's three things. And in in the rest of our time, I'm going to focus on those three things. I think there's many more. But like I said, we can't preach and can't look through the whole of the, the wand of this passage. So firstly, we are to stand firm. Stand firm. It said in verse 13, Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But he who stands firm to the end... Will be saved. See, we could think of standing firm as knowing the right, knowing the right Bible teaching. We might say, we might call it doctrine. Knowing, getting everything right in our heads, or or being in the right place, making sure we're at church every Sunday. Now, these things are good. I'm not knocking these things. Very important. But listen, don't. Let's not miss the connection here in this verse between standing firm and love. Look, look at the, look at the verse. Standing firm and love. That's the heart of the Christian gospel. We love God. Why? Because He loved us first. Because He was the one that came to us, displayed His love in Jesus, reached out to us, encompassed us with His love, and we love Him. It's about love. Our world, our culture, will not encourage you to love Jesus. In fact, it might even do the opposite. There is wickedness in our world. There's Wickedness in our world. And it won't encourage you to keep your love for Jesus hot. Listen, this is what Jesus said in John. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. You want to stand firm? Pursue love. Go for love. Enjoy his every day. Enjoy the love of God for you. That's it. That's how you can start every day. I know, hey, God, I know I'm loved by you. I know what happens, whatever happens today, whatever trials I'll go through, whatever joys I'll go through, I'm loved by you, God. Even in, even in the difficult times, even when, you know, like Karen with the, um, uh, uh, what are they called? Shawl. Shawl, shawl thank you. Scarf shawl over her face and it seems like when darkness seems to have hidden his face when I can't see when there's storms of life I know I can trust in his love I know he loves me I know he's for me and often it's in those difficult times we need to know that listen Romans in Romans Paul writes God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit God has poured out, listen, think of, I think of it like this, God has poured out his love. If someone pours you a drink, what are you meant to do? Look at it, oh, thank you very much, it's very nice, thank you. No, no, you're meant to, they've poured it for you to taste, to experience, to encounter, haven't they? Not just to look at, it's for you to drink and for you to encounter and experience. And that's the same with God's love. As he poured it into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, you know, he wants us to know it. He wants us to encounter it. That's why we love being a people of the Spirit here at Jubilee, because we want to encounter that love that is for us. Even sometimes in the midst of difficulties, I know I can encounter the love of God by the Holy Spirit. And we're to love others too. That's what Jesus goes on to say in that passage from John. Love each other as I have loved you. You might be thinking, do you know what, I can get the loving God bit. Oh man, but loving others... Oh man, now that's hard work. Oh, do I have to? No, no, he says, no, love others too. You know, even even those people that it's hard for you to love. It's tough for you to love. You know, he says, love others. Listen, those people, actually, loving those people might be helping you to stand firm. Loving those people might be part of your discipleship journey in Jesus as you grow more like him. We're to love others, even when that's hard work. Okay, secondly, we're to keep watch and be ready. It's so what Jesus says. that's clearly what Jesus is saying in verse 36 onwards. Keep watch and be ready. And I think this will probably be spoken more about in a couple of weeks' time when we get to chapter 25. But listen, keeping watch and being ready isn't about just sitting around and uh, just kind of waiting for Jesus to come back. Or maybe even trying to work out the date that it might be. Second guess when he'll return. The final few words of the Bible say this. Yes, I am coming soon. It says, Amen, Lord Jesus, come. And when Jesus says that, he means it. Not like perhaps if you're, I can't speak for other cultures, but perhaps if you're English and we sometimes say to one another that we are, Hey, it would be lovely. Oh, we must have you round. It would be lovely. Oh, I'll all come round at some point. And, you know, sometimes we don't do it, do we? Sometimes we might not even mean it. Jesus means it. Jesus means it. I am coming soon. See, one person writing about this said, that church, A church should have a lively expectation of Jesus' return. If not, something has gone radically wrong. Listen, I wonder, I wonder, do we have a lively expectation? Do you have a lively expectation that Jesus will return? Jesus will return. One day he will return, King Jesus. He will put all things right. He'll deal with sin and death forever. A new heavens and a new earth and we will be with him. His kingdom will come in full. And do you know what? You and I are meant to live in the, glory, in the light of that glorious future. We're meant to live in the light of that glorious future. That's what it means to watch and be ready. People who do the work of this kingdom. People who serve and care for the poor. People who are good employees, good employers, good volunteers. People who are good school pupils or students. People who show kindness to our neighbours. People who serve in their church community. People who welcome those who are fleeing war and persecution. You know, we can do all these things because our future is secure. Jesus has won. The world might seem crazy at times. Do you, do you, do you sometimes watch the news and kind of go, what, what on earth? The world seems crazy at times. But listen, Jesus has the victory, Jesus has overcome, and our conquering king will return. And do you know what? We can live lives to um, build his kingdom as he builds his kingdom here. We can do the kingdom work. Thirdly and finally, we can share. His gospel, we can share this good news about Jesus. Verse 14, and this gospel will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. Now, whether that's talking about the end of the world, or whether that passage is talking about the destruction of the temple, we can't go into reasons for Uh, for those right now, Um, but whichever it is, listen, this good news about Jesus, this good news that the King is here and we can come into his kingdom through him, this good news will go out to the whole world. Not just to one group of people in one particular piece of land, but the whole world. Everyone, everywhere. Everyone, everywhere, as we say in Jubilee. This is what's happening. Wonderful to hear that story from um, Shirley this morning about God working in another nation, in a family, praying for their family members. God working. Amazing. This gospel is growing and bearing fruit all around the world. On my extended break over the summer, I had the opportunity to read a book from a guy called Harvey Kuani. Harvey is a, um, a lecturer and a Bible teacher and church leader. Who, he wrote a book called Multicultural Kingdom. He's from Malawi. Anyone from Malawi? We don't have anyone from Malawi, do we? I don't think. Close by, but not Malawi. Um, and he describes in his book the growth, explosive growth of Christianity around the world, particularly in places outside of Europe. He talks about Malawi. In Malawi... In 1900, there were a few hundred Christians. Today, 80% of Malawians would call themselves Christians. That's 15 million people. That's twice the population of Scotland. And even to talk about China, India, Iran, parts of Africa, God is on the move and we're seeing people come to know him as this gospel goes into the whole world. But you know what? It's not just overseas. We see the nations coming to Christ here in the UK too. And you know we have the privilege of seeing that, don't we, in Jubilee. As we become a more diverse nation here, we see the privilege of seeing nation after nation come to know him. People group after people group come to know him. And this is what Harvey Kwani says in his book, I'm convinced that the multicultural context, okay, it's quite a long quote. Are we ready to take it seriously and really think about it? Because I think it's really important. I'm convinced that the multicultural context of urban Britain needs a multicultural missionary movement. African, Latin American, Asian and British Christians need to work together in mission. I anticipate that the body of Christ in Britain can model racial reconciliation, that's races coming together and being reconciled together, being brought together as one, for the world, by living an alternative reality where all races are one in Christ. Such a church may be a testimony to the world that the love of Christ can set people free. You see, we need each other, to do this. God has made us, Jubilee, a multicultural family for a purpose. So whatever your background, you and I have a part to play. If you're from another nation, you have a part to play. If you are born and bred Teesside, you have a part to play. You know, the nations includes... Us here, who are white British, we are the nations too. Let's not forget that. You have a part to play. We have a part to play. We all have a part to play. Maybe you want to think about what what is my part to play as we um, approach this coming Alpha course in October? Who could I invite? Who could I invite along to this Alpha? Who who, Who got invited either to an Alpha course or to a church event? Perhaps that was the start of your your. Your journey with God—who is invited to something—an invitation from someone else. Okay, look around. Look, look at these hands up, and there's many more who aren't here. It starts often with an invitation, as we play our part as God um, builds His kingdom, and we play our we play our part in that as we invite, as we share the good news of Jesus with those around us. Who will you invite? Take some leaflets this morning. Put them through the doors of your street. Give them to people you know. Give them to people you bump into. Invite people to Alpha. Listen, let's be a testimony together, a message to Teesside of the love of Jesus and how everyone can come to know him. So as we end, standing firm, standing firm in the love of God, being ready as we do the kingdom work, watching and sharing this gospel, this good news of Jesus. As we do all these things, we want our, we want our hearts and our lives ultimately to be centred on Jesus, the one it's all about. We don't want to miss the point, do we? We, want to, we, want to mi- we don't want to miss the person. We want him to be the centre of our lives and our attention. It's him that it's all about. King Jesus, this one who laid down his life so that we could know our Father. This one who went to the cross so that we could be reconciled to God. This is Jesus. And as we worship, as the band come up, if the band could come up, that would be really helpful and lead us in a song that just centres us on Jesus again. And as we worship him, listen, as we, as we come and do that, I want to ask do you know this Jesus this morning? Do you know this Jesus? When he returns or when your time to meet God happens, takes place, will you be saying, well, this is what I did with my life on my own? Hey God, I, I hope it's good enough. Or will you be saying, hey, this is what Jesus has done. I know I'm in him. And I know he is more than good enough. I'm dressed in his righteousness. I'm clothed in his righteousness. Listen, you can, you can know that truth this morning. You can encounter that truth this morning. You can encounter his love for you this morning. It's very easy. You can come to him. Even in the midst of this final song, you can say, Jesus, I'm, co- I'm coming to you. I want to uh, receive all that you did for me on the cross. I know that you were made sin. You who knew no sin, you were made sin. So that I might know the righteousness of God for me. You can do that in this final song. And for all of us, listen. We live in, what do we say? Crazy, uncertain, seemingly seemingly, crazy times. But Jesus is king. He is with us. He will return. And in, the, in that time, we will stand firm in his love. We'll do the kingdom work filled with his spirit and we'll share this gospel to those around us. We need his help in doing that. We need to be centered on him as we do that. So Lord Jesus, as we come to you this morning afresh, we say, fill us with your spirit. We thank you that love has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And so we say again, fill us afresh this morning. Listen, perhaps you need, you you know, you need to encounter Him afresh. He's here for you, and He's here for me. Perhaps there's situations, difficulties you're going through right now. He's here, and He wants you to know that love. He wants you to know His power. Come, Spirit of God, come fill us afresh today. We love you. We love you. We love that you loved us first. We love that you're the king who laid down his life for us. And we thank you. We love that you're the one who defeated death and sin and was raised victorious we love that you've you ascended to the Father. We love that one day you will return and today we live in a lively expectation of that day. And until that day, we'll declare your good news to side. Thank you, Jesus. Let's worship together, fix our attention, our love on him.